Bibles, please, to Proverbs chapter number 7. Four, five years ago, I guess it was, maybe six, I did a series through the first six chapters of Proverbs, and we broke off and went to something else. We'll go back to Proverbs here for a little bit. We're not going to deal with every verse and every proverb. That, that would be a multi-year uh, endeavor. But we will hit some highlights uh, going through of these chapters. It's, it's very practical. It's very helpful. Uh, it's where we live. You know, uh, when I, every third month, I read through the book of Proverbs. Some people read through it every month. But the alternating two months, I'm working through the Psalms along with my New and Old Testament reading. So I at least read through this book four times a year. But you easily could read it every month and uh, gain and be blessed. Here in Proverbs chapter 7, I'll read the first several verses, but we're going to focus in tonight on the first uh, four or five verses. The Bible says, My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live, and my law as the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, Thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Now contextually, this chapter, actually this is the fourth warning in the first seven chapters of Proverbs against immorality. And a strange woman in the Bible is not someone weird, but anyone other than a man's wife anyone that would be inappropriate uh, to be uh, in a relationship with. So it starts with my son. That, just that intro is found 23 times in Proverbs. This is the 15th time. So it's in the setting of a father giving life lessons to their son. Here, let me, let me help you with some things. It'll, it'll help you through life. It'll help you live a successful and a fulfilling life. Uh, just to show you, turn back a few pages to chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 1, My son, if, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So the same setting, father to son, son, listen to these things. And if you'll do this, 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 then this is what will be the result. Uh, Look at chapter three, verse one. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So you see it is sort of repeated. These rules of life from a father or a parent to a child, instructing that child how to live successfully. Now, the problem of immorality is nothing new, uh, but it does have a solution. The solution for the child of God is found in our love for God 
and in our love for and obedience to his word. So the topic tonight is not dealing with the awfulness of immorality, but how to avoid it. How to guard our hearts. You say, well, you don't have to worry about me. Famous last words. Just in, in my realm, as pastors, people in ministry, far too many times, far too many sad stories. And, and, and in one sense, it makes you laugh. In another sense, it's very sad. But as one of the commentators said about this topic, as I was studying Proverbs chapter 7 at large, he said, if there is a stupid sin, it is immorality. Because the cost and the damage is far more than whatever pleasure is derived. The fallout. And, and we don't have to go to any illustrations that we all know. But you think of somebody whose life went down the tubes because they chose to be unfaithful to their marriage vows. I'm talking about people in the ministry. And I can, I can point to churches where entire generations of young people are gone. Because they say... You were the one telling us to do right, and this is what you were doing. And the doubt and the dismay that has ruined, I mean, they had to make their own choice, but it definitely has an effect. So how can we avoid that? How can we put within our lives protection so that that doesn't happen? Four very simple things that stand out here in the first several verses. And uh, I, I think you could write it in your Bible if you want or take note of it. Number one, guard, guard. I say that based on twice in verses one and two, it says, keep, keep my words and keep my commandments, God says. The word keep means to guard or to watch over or to observe. And the idea is that we are to understand that God's truth has value. It is helpful. We'll talk about treasuring it in a moment. But we are to guard our hearts by the word of God. And the implication is we already have it. Guard that which you have. Keep that which you've been given. Don't let it slip away. Don't let it drift off. It is vitally important that you keep it dear and precious. In other words, we can't claim ignorance. We're not naive. The word of God reveals to us the heavy cost of sin. In fact, Proverbs says it is the only sin that, from which you will be scarred and the scarred will never be taken away. That's powerful because the Bible teaches us of God's forgiveness and his blood washes away all sin. That's true. But you be careless in this area. It will go through life with you. There's no way to get around that. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 1. I read a moment ago. He said, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments so that thou incline thine ear into wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. What's he saying? Guard the truth you've been given. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. My son, attend to my words. 
incline thine ear to my sayings. In other words, don't just tune in, but take it to yourself. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Notice the nouns in these two verses. God's words, God's commandments, God's commandments repeated, God's law. It covers the full panoply of all of God's truth. We are to keep God's words. That word, words, simply means his utterances, his proclamations, his speech, his sayings. All of God's word will help us to guard our hearts and to guard that truth. But we're not only to keep his words, we're to keep his commandments. And that emphasizes the fact of whose word and whose commandments. There's no option here. It's not, if it sounds good to you, sure, keep it. If it's easy, keep it. No, this is a moral obligation. It's not a casual suggestion. Why? Because if they are God's words and if they are God's import, uh, commands, then they must be heeded, followed, obeyed. Why? Because of who God is. You know, who a person is, how you think about them, has an impact on how you respond to what they say, right? When I was a little kid, some other adult may tell me to behave or calm down, and I may or may not listen. I may have partial hearing, you know. I may have had a problem, but if my mother or father said something, I promise you my response was very different. If I have that right view of God, the fear of God, to where he is my all in all, he can say anything to me, and I don't have to like it, but I do have to heed it. The prophet Isaiah put it this way, chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. Say ye not a confederacy to all them whom the people shall say, a confederacy, neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. So what's he saying? Don't worry about the enemy. Don't worry about, you know, what they're saying to you. But notice the next verse, Isaiah 8, 13. But sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. So we are to guard God's word, guard our hearts by God's word. So the word guard. Number two, we're to treasure God's word. Verse one, the second half says, Lay up my commandments with thee. Verse 2, second half, and live, well, keep my commandments and live, and my law as the apple of thine eye. To lay up has the idea of treasuring or hiding. It gives the implication of valuing God's word. Not just what it is, a lot of people will go to the death for the Bible, but they never read it and they never apply it. The point isn't that we're venerating a book. We are valuing God's message. 
lay up my commandments with thee. Now, you know, maybe you have some keepsake that's been passed down in your family or something that is sentimental value to you or, or intrinsic value. It doesn't matter. You treat that very differently than you do that which is common every day and has no special value. It has the same, this idea of laying up has the same implication as Psalm 119.11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart. Thy word have I treasured in my heart. Thy word have I valued in my heart that I might not sin against God. It's not just I have a good memory. It's what I remember is continuing to speak to me. In verse number two there, it says, we're to treasure God's word as we would protect our eyes. It uses the eye, the picture of the apple of the eye. We've been, we've been inundated with eye problems in our church from Lillian and her detached retina, then Don and then Brother Eric and then, uh, you know, Twan and on and on. And we, I, mean, I don't know if it's contagious like COVID, but we've got, we've got a problem going on here. But every one of those people will tell you, your eye is delicate. You know, when Brother Fryer was getting shots in his eyes, it almost made my stomach flip to think about it. You know, I have no, no thanks. I don't want a shot in my eye. I don't like people touching my eye. I don't like touching my eye. I was going to have a, I think I was having a MRI on my shoulder. I, I damaged my shoulder and they'd asked me before, the, this was many years ago, uh, could you have ever gotten some metal in your eye? Did you ever work in a factory or whatever? And I, you know, I'd been in the ministry a few years. I was a, sister, I was a coach at that point in time. I don't know. No, I never had a problem like it. Then it hit me. Oh, yeah, I spent five years in American Steel Foundries. I had slag in my eye all the time, you know. It was not uncommon wearing my leather gloves. A piece of slag would flip up and go down in the glove. And I had to keep working and listen to my skin go you know, I still have scars on the back of my hands from it. So I said, well, yeah, you know, I guess it is possible. I don't know. So I had to go and get an x-ray of my eye to make sure there's no metal. Why? Because if you go in that magnet with that in your eye, it's just going to come flying out of your eye. When they told me that, I said, x-ray two or three times, four times. Let's make sure. I don't want that going on. Your eyes are delicate. And so what it's referring to is the sensitivity and the carefulness of which we guard our eyes is that same nature that we are to be sensitive to sin and guarding our hearts from sin that it not affect us. And the challenge is for us to keep our Father's words or in the, in the flow of this, our, our Father's principles of life because they give us not only physical sight, they give us spiritual sight, they give us moral sight. God spoke of that kind of care for us as his children. Aren't you glad that when somebody touches you, God says, I'm not going to let them do that. You're like the apple of mine eye. He said that in Zechariah chapter 2 and verse 8 regarding Israel. He said, for he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. Psalm 17, 7 and 8, 
Show thy marvelous loving kindness, the psalmist said. O thou that savest by thy right hand them that put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Then he goes on, verse 8. Keep me as the apple of thine eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. You know, there's something interesting. If, you ever, if you've ever been close to somebody and looked in their eyes, you can see your f- reflection in their eyes. Have you ever had that happen? Or you can see what they're looking at if they're not looking at you? I was thinking about that for a little bit today, and I thought, you know what? We're to so guard our hearts that when God peers into our eyes, he knows what we're looking at is pleasing to him. That's a good thought, isn't it? And I had it. You got to write that down. Now, the point is we need to understand that God wants us to have a pure heart. And folks, I'm going to tell you, if you're not serious about that in the world in which we live, you will not. Uh, You know, I watch very little TV, watch the news occasionally and a few sporting events. But even that, you, you have to gauge how much flesh you want your flesh affected. Now, you know, you draw the line where you draw the line. I'm not, I'm not trying to superimpose myself into your life. I'm just telling you where I'm at. Former church had a, one of our deacons. He did business for a company. He had an awards business. And for a few years there, he had season tickets to Detroit Pistons back when they knew how to play basketball. They, they seem to have forgotten. And a few times he called. He said, nobody's using the tickets tonight. You want to go? And I went. And I ended up after that saying, you know, as much as I love sports, I really am not comfortable feeding my flesh that much. Because it was really more of a floor show and dancers up the aisle and this is going to sound weird to you, but I could just see being televised and I'm sitting there in that chair and some woman who's not clad properly is dancing in the aisle next to me. Oh, there's our pastor. Oh, what's he doing there? Now, the truth is I didn't do it not because of my fear of somebody seeing it, but because I didn't like what I was doing in here. God wants us to be, you know how sensitive your eyes are? God wants us that sensitive to sin. In the flesh. But notice he said there in verse 2 when we keep his commandments, we will live. Now we got our physical life from the generation from our parents, but God's word gives us a fulfilling life. We can, we can have a satisfying life. We can, we can have eternal life as we heed God's word. Amos said in his prophecy, chapter 5, verse 4, For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me, and ye shall live. So we are to guard our hearts by the word. We are to treasure his word. Thirdly, notice verse 3. Bind them upon thy fingers, and write them upon the table of thine heart. We're to anchor our hearts to God's word. Guard it, treasure it, anchor it. What am I saying? Don't be careless with that which God teaches you and shows you from his word. 
Now, I don't do it right now. I can make all kinds of excuses, but I, I really believe that uh, when and if I, the Lord has me retire, I'm going to make it a practice of my devotional life to journal, to write down each day what God speaks to me. Nobody else may ever read it, that's fine, but for my sake. Because even as Brother Snyder, I think, uh, during missions conference mentioned, if you're not careful when you're reading the word of God, your mind's out here and your mind's on that next thing and your mind's... Now, I, I battle that by when I'm really tired, and that's my problem. I read out loud in my office. It's, it seems silly at the beginning, but it helps me a lot. But what is God saying? Don't be careless. Don't let this, this stuff that I teach you drift away. Bind it upon your fingers. To bind means to gather together or tie tightly on your fingers. You know, the old... Tie a string on your finger so you not forget, but then you see the string and you can't remember why you tied it there. The, the, really, the picturing is of a ring or a signet. Haggai speaks of this signet ring at the end of his prophecy. Well, what, what does a ring do? Well, I wear a wedding band. It reminds me of an important day. It, it reminds me of an important relationship. Well, that's an easy application to bind the word of God to your heart. As you remind yourself of God's truth, as you keep it near at hand, my wedding band's always on my finger. I rarely ever take it off. Because it's always there, it is near at hand. That's the picture of God's word. It doesn't have to be a wedding band, don't lose that point but the idea of having it attached to you going through the day having the word of God be your meditation not some silliness that has no value or importance your rings are visible they're constant reminders and we're always to keep God's word close at hand. Proverbs 3, verse 3, let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God man. Uh, look back, chapter 6, verse 21, bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. So chapter 7, verse 3 tells us to bind them. Bind what? God's words, God's commandments. Bind them upon thy fingers and write them upon the table of thine heart. The word means to inscribe or to engrave. That same guy that his, his business had those season tickets, for a while he had the responsibility of the Buick Open, a big golf tournament there in southeast Michigan of engraving the winner's name on the trophy. Why do they engrave things? So it's not taken away. It's always there. Now they, don't they engrave the winners on the Stanley Cup? Is it just a team name? I don't know. Uh, okay, thank you, Brother Harry. So I'm not hanging out to dry here. Uh, yeah, I mean, why did they do that? So nobody can argue about how many times Montreal won versus uh, Toronto. We won't go there, but, you know, or whatever. 
It's engraved, never to be removed. God says, write them, engrave them. Notice, not in our heads, but in our hearts. That's a wonderful thing for us to memorize scripture, folks. But you can know a lot of scripture up here that's not affecting you down here. You can know a lot of scripture up here that's not affecting you right here. You can know a lot of scripture that's not affecting you down there. That's why it's not engraved on your mind. It's engraved in your heart. But God wants us to live changed lives. Now, I'm busy, just like you're busy, and people say things to me. You'll often see me on the platform. I drop myself a note. Sunday something happened, I jotted a note, Jan asked me when I got home, were you writing this down? Nope, you're wrong, I wrote something else down. Something else I didn't want to remember, I didn't want to forget. I knew I wouldn't remember. It's engraved. Write it down. That's why the Bible speaks so much about meditation. You can read a lot of the word of God and it's like water rushing through a dirty pipe. It'll clean it up a little bit, but if you stop and soak in it, you'll be changed. Now, my reading schedule, I wouldn't ask you to emulate that, but you know, sometimes it's good to change that and read the same thing every day. Sometimes I do that. Sometimes if God's bringing me to a particular book to preach, Especially if it's a book that I can do every day, I'll read through it every single day for that month leading into the series. So I'm, so I'm soaked in it. So we are to anchor ourselves with the word of God. Jeremiah 31, 33, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. Well, time's getting away from us, so we're to guard it, we're to treasure it, we're to anchor it, lastly, we're to listen. There's a very beautiful analogy given here. Verse 4, say to wisdom, now by the way, it's often a literary tool in Proverbs where Wisdom is given personification. It's spoken of as a person. That's what's going on here. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Now put away the concept of sibling rivalries and put in the concept of your closest relationship. The person who can say anything to you, and even if you don't like it, you know they're saying it to you because they love you, they want to help you. God is saying treat wisdom that way. Let God's word speak to you as a friend who's protecting you. Maybe helping you to see things you're not seeing well helping you to understand that you're, maybe you're going a direction you ought not go. You know, women have a sixth sense. 
There have been times Jan has said to me, you be careful around that person. Not that they're a bad person, just a little too flirtatious or a little too forward or a little too open. Just be careful. A woman has that sixth sense. I'm sort of like give everybody, you know, I think the best of everybody. Oh, really? I didn't see that. No, I'm not always oblivious, but I, I try to give people a good opportunity. But as somebody wisely said, the best advice is worthless if it's not heeded. So let the word of God be your advisor. Don't resist it. Don't hold back. It, let it be a still small voice. Don't make it be a thunderstorm or a lightning bolt. Seek it. Lord, speak to me. Is there any area of my life that is, I'm not being careful, I'm not being aware, I'm, I'm being careless. It doesn't matter how much I like the activity. If this is not good for me, God, help me to be sensitive to you that I'm not going down that path. Proverbs 11 and 12, it talks about, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. It talks about how the word of God will deliver us. Verse 12, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh froward things. Verse 16, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Chapter 6 and verse 24 says, to keep thee from the evil woman and from the flattery of the tongue of the strange woman. Here it is, folks. Protect your heart because long before there is a sin failure, and it doesn't have to be immorality, it can be any sin. Long before there is a sin failure, there has been a drift from valuing God's word, from guarding our heart by God's word, from anchoring ourselves to God's word, from listening to God's word. Long before the sin failure happens, God's word has lost its impact. Oh, we may still carry it. We may still memorize, have a few verses memorized. But I'm telling you, it's not been engraved in the heart. It's not been guarding the mind and heart. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, there are no sudden casualties in the Christian life. Behind every shipwreck is a long process of wicked thinking. It's very true. You see, thoughts become deeds, become your character. So guard your thoughts.